This is the Crazy Beautiful Life Podcast. I'm Bethany, but most people call me B, and I'm your host. From health and wellness, money moves, environmentalism, lifestyle design, and more, this podcast helps inspire you to live your most crazy beautiful life. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Crazy Beautiful Life Podcast. I am so excited to be coming at you on this beautiful Monday morning for a new episode of Bee's Estrogen Empire. I love making Estrogen Empire podcasts, and I think today's episode is really important and is really going to help y'all understand some of the things that need to be understood. February is Black History Month. It's a time to celebrate Black joy, Black success. It's a time to amplify Black voices and raise awareness about the systemic oppression of Black bodies. During Black History Month, it is so important to learn about the history of Black lives. There is no history without Black history. And it's important to learn about the many things that we currently know in today's society that are the effects of incredibly important African Americans. Amplifying Black voices is so important, and I know that, and I know how important it is to pass the mic, to amplify the voices that need to be heard. But I also know that it isn't up to Black people to educate white people on Black history. It's important that we do the work. We put in the effort. We research, we learn, we face our biases, we unlearn certain thought processes. Amplifying Black voices is crucial, but it shouldn't only be up to Black people to educate white people on these things, which is why I'm doing today's episode. As I begin my career as a registered kinesiologist and as I emerge into the healthcare field, I need to do the work to learn how systemic racism is still prevalent in our current medical system because someone nearly 200 years ago had a crazy thought about black bodies. I need to do the work. I need to put this information out there. Additionally, it's no secret that I am so incredibly passionate about women's health. I love to share knowledge about women's health and menstrual health and birth control and sexual health and all of those things and and menstrual cycles. And you guys know I'm super passionate about this stuff. Because we are the estrogen empire, it's important for us to learn that almost everything we know about gynecology is because black slaves were taken advantage of, because black women were harmed at the hands of the quote unquote father of modern day gynecology. I want to preface this by saying that I am not an expert. My language and choice of words is not always perfect. I'm not going to be perfect and I'm trying really, really, really hard to use the right words and use the right language and have the right conversations. And if I'm not using the right language and if I'm not using the right words, then please let me know as that feedback is always welcomed. 
I've recognized that as I continue to speak about women's health on this podcast, I would be doing an injustice to all of those who have suffered, who have been tortured, who have been exploited so that we benefit from it. Black History Month is so important, but it's important to have these conversations year round. And because it's Black History Month and because I make so many podcasts about women's health, I really want to discuss how racism is deeply rooted in women's health and deeply rooted in everything that we know about experiments that were non-consensual, about clinical trials and experimental trials that people didn't even know that they were part of. Medications were given as a medication, not as part of a study. Procedures were were performed on black women who were awake without anesthesia. I need to talk about these things because these things are why we have birth control, why we have a speculum, why we have different surgeries such as hysterectomies. I have to discuss how almost everything that we know is because of the torture of black women who were enslaved. My name is Bethany Spears and Although I'm not perfect, my word choice may not be perfect, I have privilege, I have power, I have a platform, and I want to put this out there to start a really important conversation about the history of Black lives and its impact on the medical field. I am a cisgendered, straight, white female, and I reside in Toronto, Ontario on Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations land. To start off today's episode, I wanted to pull a quote from my absolute favorite book right now, which is Period Power by Massey Hill. I'm going to be referencing this book a lot throughout the podcast, and I encourage all of you to go and read it. I think it is a really amazing approach to women's health. Um, Massey uses mainly gender neutral um, language throughout the entire book, um, unless she's talking about very specific Things She does make a very true and honest answer, honest attempt at using gender neutral pronouns. She talks about period poverty. She talks about the history of menstruation and and menstrual surgeries and uterine surgeries and all sorts of things and the black history of them. She talks about how um, periods may be difficult for individuals who are transgender. Um, so I really encourage you to read Massey Hill's Period Power. It is an amazing book that captures all of the things associated with women's health. So I pulled this quote directly from the book, and I really wanted to start the podcast with this quote. So throughout history, women have been subject to mistreatment, harassment, and abuse, but no one more so than women of color. Feminist discourse is dominated by the voices and needs of white women, when the bodies of those who are suffering the most are women of color. We need to acknowledge that we have benefited from the exploitation and torture of Black, Indigenous women of color. These crimes were not committed with our hands, but they have been and still are aided by the silence of white women. So you guys, today I'm not going to be silent. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the black history of women's health and gynecology and what we can do to try and create a better, safer, anti-racist future. (laughs) 
Welcome to Bee's Estrogen Empire. The Estrogen Empire is a brand new series focused on breaking down various topics in women's health. It's time for us to create an empire of women who are informed and assertive and can advocate for their health and the health of women around the world. I'm Bee, the host of Bee's Estrogen Empire, and I'm very privileged to have a voice and feel confident enough to discuss these topics. I would like to take a moment to recognize that not all women have female anatomy, and not all female anatomy classifies someone as a woman. The Empire will use evidence-based information to guide topics and discussions. All references will be included in the show notes, and I'm so excited that you're here to join the Estrogen Empire and the movement that we are about to create. Welcome along. Before we get into all the things, I do want to provide a trigger warning. This episode covers topics such as violence towards women, violence towards Black, Indigenous, women of color, and people of color, sexual abuse, rape, medical procedures, and more. Feel free to skip this episode if any of these topics will be triggering for you. Okay, guys, so first thing that we are going to talk about is the history of Black lives in gynecology. In 1813, in South Carolina, a man named James Marion Sims took a three-month course and studied for one year at Jefferson Medical College. He began his medical practice in Lancaster, South Carolina, and then moved to Montgomery, Alabama. Upon arrival in um, Alabama, um, Sims quickly established deep roots with the rich, the white, the wealthy, and the plantation owners. He was frequently called to plantations to treat ailments of enslaved black individuals so that they could keep working. It was important that Sims provided effective treatment. Otherwise, the slaves were deemed useless by their masters. Their masters needed them to produce, to reproduce, so he frequently made visits to plantations. For more stubborn cases, patients would sometimes come to Sims in his office. So he set up a small hospital where he would, quote unquote, treat people. And this is when things took a turn for women of color. At the time, it was deemed unholy to treat feminine ailments. It was not talked about. There was so much shame around women's health. So anything associated with menstruations, periods, sex, vaginas, uteruses, anything like that. They were never talked about. They weren't really well studied and there was no real um, gynecology information, if you will. And Sims certainly did not have any gynecological training. Women were super oppressed at the time and treating feminine issues was not common practice among black and white women. Because of this, We really didn't know much about women's health at the time. So people, um, the the owners of the slaves, the masters, whatever the hell you want to call them, they would bring their slaves to Sims's office where he would be treating them. Um, While the people were in Sims' quote unquote care. I can't even say the word care. Um, but the patient's ownership was temporarily transferred over to Sims. Sims did write an autobiography. Um, and in his autobiography, um, he, he outlines 
There was never a time that I could not at any day have a subject for operation. According to Sims, this time was the most memorable time of his life. While women were in his temporary ownership, he began to experiment on the enslaved women of color. Some patients as young as 17 years old were operated on more than 30 times. He practiced hysterectomies without any justifiable reason. He practiced fistula surgery, various other techniques, all without providing any of his patients anesthesia. Although anesthesia was commonly being used at that time, it was available. This was in the 1840s. It was around. It was a thing. Sims had this idea that women of color and people of color didn't feel pain. And they were so much stronger and they they didn't really have the same pain perception as white people. So he could operate on them without any anesthetics because they didn't need it. So while he was performing fistula, healing surgeries and practicing his skills and working to perfect his skills, these women who were his victims were awake and, and they felt everything. After four years of experimentation, Sims finally perfected his skills and started operating on white women doing fistula recovery surgeries. And all of these women received anesthesia. All of these white women received anesthesia. There was a common consensus among medical practitioners at that time that black people didn't feel pain the same way that white people did. And it disgusts me and it haunts me that this same discourse is still prevalent in our medical system today. The pain of black bodies was not taken seriously back then. And it isn't taken seriously now. And I'll talk about that later in this episode. In 17, or sorry, in 1876, Sims was appointed the president of the American Medical Association and has been well-referenced as the father of modern-day gynecology. This is disgusting. Because of his complex history, recently his memorial statue in New York City was finally removed. And it was removed because of the women of color who spoke up and said, this man is horrible. We know three names of women who are victims of Sims's fistula experiments. They were operated on without consent, without anesthesia, and they are the reason the speculum exists. Sims used a early model of a speculum, which he took a certain type of spoon that was shaped weird so that he could pry open um, the vaginas of slaves and get a better look at what was going on. But Sims isn't the reason that the speculum exists. It is the women. It is the victims. They are the reason that many medical procedures are performed daily in a safe, hygienic, and consensual manner. Lucy, Anarcha, and Betsy. Say their names. They are the three names of the victims. The three names, 
that we know of who are victims of Sims' experiments. Lucy, Anarcha, and Betsy. During surgery, the patients were made to perch on their knees, bent over with their hands on their heads. Lucy was operated on for over an hour while over a dozen doctors watched and listened to her scream. But Sims and many doctors believed that black people couldn't feel pain despite listening to her scream for an hour? A 2016 study from the University of Virginia found that 54% of people of color visiting the ER received pain medications, whereas 74% of white people received pain medications in the ER. Another study looked at over 900,000 children with acute appendicitis. Now, acute appendicitis is incredibly painful, incredibly painful, and warrants the use of pain-relieving medications. The study found that 39.3% of white children were given pain medication, whereas 12.2% of children of color were given pain medication. As you can see, the perception that BIPOC individuals do not experience Pain the same way that white folks do is still prevalent in today's society. This was in 2016. This happened in the 1800s. And this idea is still prevalent. It's not right. It's not okay. And it's important for medical professionals to understand these biases and understand that these biases are so deeply rooted in our medical systems for over 100 years. Many of the surgical procedures still utilized today were that established by the exploitation and torture of enslaved women of color. Lucy and Narcha and Betsy say their names. The torture didn't stop there. In fact, black history is so deeply rooted in what we know about contraceptives. And many of the contraceptives that we use were tested on human subjects, more specifically women of color. The contraceptive pill and contraceptive injection carry a very racist past. In the early 1900s, birth control was used to encourage reproduction by those, quote unquote, most fit in society and discourage reproduction, quote unquote, by those less fit or what society deemed at that time as valuable. Guy Irving Birch was the director of, of the American Eugenic Society, which was largely responsible for contraceptives and birth control and all of these things. And he published um, that he advocated birth control as a weapon to prevent the American people from being replaced by alien or Negro stock whether it be by immigration or by overly high birth rates, among others in this country. In the 1950s, Puerto Rican women were exploited and they were used as human test subjects for birth control pills. And over one third of Puerto Rican women were robbed of their reproductive rights. These are known as the Rio Rio. Hydras trials by which the women were not told that the pills were experimental, 
experimental. They were not told that there was a chance of potentially dangerous side effects. They weren't told that these medications had not yet been proven safe for daily dosage. They were taken advantage of. They didn't even know that they were part of a study. And they took these birth control pills. And they took these injections. It wasn't long until the researchers discovered that there were too many side effects of such medications to offer them to the general public. There was just way too many things going wrong that they couldn't offer these medications to the general public. But they allowed Puerto Rican women to continue taking them. Then after they discovered that there were so many side effects, they modified. They modified the medications. At the time, birth control was uh, progestin only. And then they were like, oh, we actually need to add estrogen. And that is how combined oral contraceptives were born. Depo-Provera injections, which we all know Depo-Provera is injective birth control. Um, that was also tested on black women and offered subsidized, subsidized or free in areas where many of many women of color worked, such as factories and other places of work. The subjects were not aware of their active participation in an experiment. They weren't aware of the potential risks, such as hair loss, severe depression, suicidal thoughts, weight gain, acne, and permanent sterilization. It's no wonder why there is such bias in our medical system. It's no wonder why the suffering and pain of black indigenous women of color is not taken seriously. It's no wonder why there's so much mistrust in our medical doctors and medical practitioners for black indigenous people of color. Here are some facts that are pretty hard to digest. Black women are three times as likely to die during childbirth than white women. Black couples are twice as likely to experience infertility than white women and white couples. In the UK, black women are twice as likely to have a stillbirth as white women. Black women are more likely than white women to have unnecessary surgeries such as hysterectomies. And in the 1920s and 1930s, medical students were allowed to operate on enslaved women known as the Mississippi appendectomies. So basically what this was, was when a woman of color, black indigenous woman of color, um, would seek medical attention or they would go to the hospital, they would go to the doctor for something completely unrelated to their uterus. They would leave without their uterus in the name of science. Students were allowed to operate on them. Students were allowed to practice hysterectomies without any evidence that a hysterectomy needed to be performed. Women were going to the doctors for issues completely unrelated to their uterus, to their ovaries, to their vaginas, to menstrual health, hormonal health, anything of anything like that. And they were leaving without it. For many years, white feminists, while well-intentioned, have stolen the fight from black women and made it about them. A really good example of this is the body positivity movement. 
I'm all for celebrating bodies. I'm all for promoting the idea that all bodies are beautiful. But body positivity and the body positivity movement was created to celebrate black bodies because black bodies were not always celebrated in society. And since then, this entire body positivity movement has been adopted by white women. We've made it about us. And I don't think it's with malicious intent. I see people posting about body positivity all the time, and I don't think that they mean to cause harm. But I think it's important to recognize who started that movement, whose bodies need to be celebrated. I don't really need to discuss body positivity, which is why I don't. I discuss confidence. I talk about being confident in my own skin. I feel about, I talk about feeling confident in my body because so many people are trying to promote that there's one ideal body type and and there's not. But I am not going to hashtag my photos with body positivity because I don't need to because my slim, small, white body is celebrated in society. I need to provide the space for black indigenous women of color to share about body positivity because it is their bodies that have been subject to the oppression for many years. And it's the same thing goes with women's health. Black indigenous women of color have been raising awareness about women's health for many years and they have been fighting for change and they have been fighting to be taken seriously. They have been fighting to reduce the mortality rate during childbirth to There's only, guys, there's only two studies about endometriosis in black women. Two. And it's more common for women who, women of color who have endometriosis to be told that they have pelvic inflammatory disease, which is a result of untreated STIs or STDs. And it's easy for women of color it's easy of for white women to speak up and it's easy for white women to demand change. And I think it's powerful that we are, but I also think it's powerful that I talk about the people who started it all and why they started it all and why they matter. It's so important to know these things. It's so important to know where everything we know about gynecology started because it this awareness can help us address our own biases. There's a famous author and medical ethicist, Harriet A. Washington. And I'm going to quote her because she's amazing. She outlines that trying to understand a historical problem without knowing its history is like trying to treat a patient without eliciting a thorough medical history. You're doomed to failure. She wrote a book called Medical Apartheid. I can't really pronounce that word. Apartheid, apartheid, I think is how you say it. And her book discusses how the medical system is built on non-consensual experimental trials. We must bring awareness to the biases ingrained within us so that we can be more aware of the biases that may interrupt our interactions, our practice, our thought processes, the way we delegitimize different people's pain based on the color of their skin. 
We need to be aware of these things. We need to talk about these things. We need people to know who the real people are, who are the reason that we know everything that we know about gynecology. Say their names. Lucy. Betsy. Anarcha. They are why we know what we know. Not that gross man whose monument was taken down. But now I want you to turn off my podcast. Stop listening to me. Literally turn off my podcast right now. I don't want you to listen to me anymore. I don't want you to listen to another white woman talking, oh, another white woman talking about black lives because it's not my voice that needs amplified. But it's not up to black people to educate white people. But there are so many amazing black creators out there who are talking about these things that I want, I want you to listen to them. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to what BIPOC folks have to say. I want you to listen to black creators, black musicians, black podcasts. Turn my podcast off. If you're still listening to me, turn me off and go listen to one of the podcasts that I've listed, listed in the show notes. The first one I want you to listen to is called Say Their Names. And that is about Lucy and... Anarcha and Betsy and the experiments and all of that. I want you to go listen to that episode. I've linked another episode that features Harriet A. Washington on medical apartheid. And this episode is really amazing. And she talks about how our medical system is so deeply rooted in, in the exploitation of slaves And she does a really good job at articulating it in a really comprehensible way. She provides amazing tools and tips for how we need to change the medical system and how we can rearrange the medical system. I've linked a website um, from, it's called Your Day. And this website talks about the anti-Black history of contraceptives. And I think it's a really good website. I've I've listed another podcast about black women in childbirth. I've actually listed two just about how black women are more likely to experience stillborn. Black women are more likely to experience infertility. Black women are more likely to die during childbirth than white women. There are some really good episodes down there that are posted by black creators. And I don't want you to listen to me because my voice doesn't matter this month. Their voices matter. Turn off my episode. Go listen to Black Voices. 